So this morning, the plan is to finish up on our series encounter that we've been going through, looking at the person and the work of the Spirit. What does life in the Spirit mean for us? And you'll know that we've looked about, um, we started off saying that the Holy Spirit is the gift of God that he has been given. He is God. And that, then we went on to say that we're to be filled with the presence and power of the Spirit. That when we place our faith in Jesus, we're birthed by the Spirit. And then we're to go on being filled over and over with the power and person of the Holy Spirit. We then looked at what it means and what, what is it for Christians to follow and listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And then looked at what a, a Spirit-filled church looks like. What should we expect as we think about the way we do church? And then Nick, a couple of weeks ago, looked at gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers and gives each one of us gifts for the building up and strengthening of the body that we can live out this mission that Jesus has given us effectively. And you'll know if you were here that there was a freebie discussion on baptism, so I hear, that was chucked into the mix as well. So it's great. But this morning I want to finish up this series and use it as a a transition point into our next two series that we're going into over the rest of this summer. And so in a moment we're going to get on to what does it mean to walk in the spirit? Okay, that's going to be our topic for this morning, but just before we get there, I just want to um cast our eyes onto the next two series because I'm aware that as we go into them we could make a mistake if we're not careful. We could end up thinking, "Oh, this series we've just done, yeah, that's a spiritual thing. That's a spiritual series, but the next one, you might have seen the posters on your way in, we've called it God in the Ordinary. And we're going to look at, what about money? How should I handle my money? How does God call me to handle my money? What about marriage? What about parenting? What about making friends and keeping friends? And who are the people in life who are going to influence me? And things like that. And as we go into that, I'm, my worry is that we suddenly think, oh, that's the practical rules aspect now. So we have a six, eight weeks on the spirit, and that's the spiritual stuff. And then we go into some practical how-to rules that Christians must do. The the preaching series after that, then we're going to look in Galatians 5 at fruit of the spirit, character formation. How How should our characters grow to become more like Christ? And I'm just, my worry is, my nervousness is we think, oh, this was a spiritual thing. Then that's all into the practical behavior and character thing that we then have to work hard at doing. Failing to see that actually all of our life is spiritual. Everything we do, we should live all of our life to God's glory. And therefore, the way we think about money, relationships, marriage, family, the kind of people we hang out with is actually an incredibly important thing and is no, by no means less spiritual than anything else we've been doing over these weeks. See, all of life is spiritual and we need, God's, we need God's Spirit for all of our life. So, I have a question. How are we to live the Christian life? How are we to live out our faith? What does a pleasing life to God look like? How are we changed? How do you and I grow? How is the formation of Christ in us? How does that grow as month by month, week by week, year by year? As we follow Jesus, should we expect our lives to change? Should I expect to look different this time next year because there's been a work of Jesus by his spirit in me that causes me to become more like 
him. And in my experience, I, I, I think that there are lots of Christians that get confused over this issue about how we do it and what to expect. Many people love Jesus in this room, but I'm sure that many of us get confused at points over what does it look like to follow Jesus? Am I to grow? Am I to be changed? Maybe you're one of the people who, who recently got baptized and as you came up out of the water, you, you, you were in love with Jesus and you were in love with everybody. You were hugging everybody and people were coming up and high-fiving and praying with you. And you were like, oh, this is amazing. Look, this is what it is like to be a fully-fledged Christian. I'm now there and it's great and wow, this is amazing. And then maybe later that day, a sinful thought came through your mind or you found yourself doing something that isn't honoring to God and you thought, yikes. Yikes, and okay, I'm going to try a bit harder. And then the next day, you found yourself beginning to slip into some old habits, some old patterns. And then you begin to feel guilty. Ah, maybe I'm not a true Christian. Maybe if I try harder, then God will be pleased with me. Or maybe, even more dangerous, you find yourself thinking, ah, this Jesus thing, this faith thing, maybe it doesn't work. You see, the danger for us is that we think that when I become a Christian, then immediately everything changes. Immediately, I'm a completely new person because the Bible tells me that, doesn't it? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Yet, I don't know about you, but I find myself living and doing things that are sinful still, that aren't honoring to God. And I find myself going, gosh, have I, have I changed that? That doesn't look like somebody who follows Jesus. And you see, the, the, the thing we're going to look at in, in a moment and through this series, particularly as we get into a fruit of the Spirit over the summer, is that when I am saved, I am fully saved. When I place my faith in Jesus, it is that faith in Jesus that fully justifies me. I am saved, but the Bible also tells me that I am being saved. Yes, I'm saved, but I'm also being saved. I am, I am like Christ. God looks at me and he sees Christ and his perfection, but I'm also becoming like Christ in my character and person. And so we're going to engage with this. We're going to look at it, but it's just so important that we, we clock that, that, that God doesn't call us to live without ever sinning again. He calls us to follow Jesus. That doesn't mean it's okay to go on sinning, Paul's got an answer for that. He says, by no means. It doesn't mean we should go, oh, it doesn't matter what I do, therefore. No, it absolutely matters what you do. But I just want to make clear that, that when I become a Christian, it's not, hey, suddenly I never sin again, because if that's true, then we're all doing a pretty shoddy job, and, and maybe this faith in Jesus isn't all it's cracked up to be. I'm, I'm worried that if you're a new believer here this morning, you could end up thinking that if you're not careful. I don't know if you saw the um, BBC article just recently on Iranian Christian asylum seekers. So as people are seeking asylum Christians that have fled um, Middle Eastern nations particularly, and they're coming to our country and they're saying, can I have asylum here, please? Uh, The Home Office are asking them questions around their Christian faith. And the questions they are asking them is things like this. Okay, can you, to prove that you're a Christian to us, we need you to tell us what the Ten Commandments are. And to prove to us 
that you're a Christian, we need you to tell us what color the Bible is. Well done, home office. Um, And, I mean, you sit there and go, ah, ah. But listen, if we're not careful, we can end up doing that. We can end up ourselves becoming followers of Jesus who think, oh, I need to know the Ten Commandments. Oh, I need, to, I need to know more. Well, yes, we want to grow in our understanding and knowledge of God. Of course we do. But just knowing things never leads to holiness. So, let's get to work. So how should we live? Whether in church, whether in religious faiths or not, whether out in society, I think there are two ways that people typically approach life. Okay, there are two ways that people typically approach life. And in a moment, we're going to see why both of those ways are wrong. But the first way is this. There are those people who are the law keepers. If you like, just nudge the person next to you and say, yep, that's you. You, you keep the rules. You keep the rules. You don't break them. So, I don't know. You never go around Ikea the wrong way. You always follow the yellow arrow on the floor. There's that kind of person. There's that kind of person... And they live with that sense of, if I don't keep the rules, then the man's going to get me. But so many people live like that. And I think it's true that in, in, a, in a religious context today, even in a church context today, that kind of way of thinking is rife. Oh, I'm a follower of Jesus, therefore my job is to keep the rules. There's another way of living. There's another group of people who say, no, 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 it's not like that at all. The way to really live is to follow your heart. Is to do what feels good, do what comes naturally. I think in our secular society today, that is the way that many people live also. And again, even within the church, I think many people think, well, well, isn't that what this faith thing is about? It's just doing what you love. And I happen to love Jesus, but I also happen to love this. So somehow I'm going to do a funny merger of these two things. That, that I know the Bible doesn't say that's okay, but I'm going to because I feel like it and it feels good to me and therefore I'm going to just trust that God would be happy with this. But the Apostle Paul, he comes and he makes it clear that Christians neither follow the law nor just their hearts, but instead we are to be followers of Jesus. There's a third way to live. And as Christians, that question, how now should I live? How should I grow in love and life and Christ-likeness The answer to that, Paul says, is that we follow Jesus. We follow Jesus. You see, Paul, he's a great early church leader. He's a great pastor. He's got a great pastor's heart. And he's seen all kinds of people that fall into one of these two ways of living. He's seen the people that live by the law. And he's seen the people that just follow their hearts and go with the flow. And he recognizes that when this gets into the church, this can cause all kinds of chaos in the local church. And so he spends many of his letters in the New Testament writing to churches and saying, hey, no, it's not, it's not the law that we're now under. We're not under the law anymore. And he writes at other points and he says, no, don't just follow your flesh. That's not how we're to live life. The way to live life as a Christian is to follow Jesus. And Paul, he, he writes to, to show why those ways of life do not work. If you'd like to turn to Galatians chapter 5, it's exactly what Paul's doing in this letter to the Galatians. And this, this letter to the Galatians is a great example of Paul coming and saying and pulling the rug from underneath that way of living. 
So Paul says this to the Galatians. So I say, this is Paul answering that question. Okay, how, how do we, how, what, is it, what does the Christian life look like? How are we to follow Jesus? Should we expect changed lives? And Paul's answer to this is, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Who are those who are led by the Spirit? It's those who are in Christ Jesus, who have received the Spirit of God. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. That's Paul's answer to the question of how are we to live out this Christian life. It's such a great answer. It's so helpful. It tells us you're to live this life in such a way that there is fruit that comes that demonstrates that you are the people of God indeed. It's not that that fruit saves you, but then neither does fruitlessness save you. It's a demonstration that you do belong to Christ and that he is at work changing you bit by bit to become more and more like him. In chapters 2 and 3, you see, Paul, Paul's a bit of a guy who likes to go ranting at churches that have got into one of these two areas and kind of mucked up on it. Churches that are stumbling either in by kind of saying, oh, we need to go back under the law, or churches that say, hey, anything goes, follow your heart. Paul loves to go on a rant. I don't know if you've ever read his letters, but you see Paul at his best where he rants against the church. He's kind of tearing his hair out. What are you doing? It's not what color the Bible is, and it's not if you can name the Ten Commandments. And what are you doing saying it's okay to sleep with whoever you want? You're crazy Christians, and he, and he loves to rant at churches. And this is what he's doing in his letter to the Galatians. And a bit earlier in Galatians, Paul goes on a rant about Christians and churches or the church in Galatians that are saying, now we need to do the works of the law. Yes, we have Jesus, but now we need to do the works of the law. And that works of the law term is Paul's phrase for legalism. And their thinking goes like this. You do the works of the Jewish law so that you're acceptable before Jesus. You do that, you do the works of the law, and and doing those works of the law, that is what justifies you. And Paul says, no, that is not what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And in chapter 2, verse 16, he says this, know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus. It's not what you do, it's who you believe in. And it's not just any old person you believe in, it's in the person and the work of Christ Jesus that justifies you before God. In verse 21 of chapter 2, he says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Excuse my frog. (laughs) Christ died for nothing if righteousness 
could be gained through the law. If the law was useful, then the death of Jesus that we've just been wonderfully singing about and declaring, it was pointless. If we can live under the law and that's okay and that justifies us before God, Jesus really didn't need to die. Verse 19, he says this of chapter 2, For through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. See, Paul is saying works of the law, doing, having that mindset of saying if I keep the rules, if I obey at every step without making any mistakes, then I'm okay. And Paul says, no, that's not how you're to live. That is not the way of the Christian life. He said, why? Because Jesus has done that for you. Jesus fulfilled the law for us. It's not the way God ever intended us to live. God's made us for relationship, not rule keeping. And the thing that I hope is in our minds right now after this series we've just been in is that the works of the law has never empowered anybody to live lives that are pleasing to God. It doesn't, being a good person, doing the rules, keeping the rules, no way empowers you to live a life that God has called you to live. In fact, you could go so far as to say the law depowers us. It pulls a rug from under our feet and says you'll never do good enough. And not only that, as verse 19 said, we've died to the law. We've died to the law. Romans 8.2, the Apostle Paul again, he writes this, The Spirit has set us free from the law of sin and death. We've died to it. It's now no longer how we are to live. We can't live that way because we've died to it. That's an incredible thing. So just to say, if you're a person who's a bit of a rule keeper, who kind of thinks, I haven't prayed this morning, I can't, I feel guilty if I miss church on a Sunday morning. Oh, I, I, I didn't give in the offering. God's not going to love me. Hey, be free. Be free. Know the grace of God. Know the grace of God in your life. And then Paul comes to chapter 5 where he, as we just read a moment ago, and he begins to hammer the people who think that, hey, I'll just do whatever I want. Whatever I feel like. However I want to live, I'll just do that. If it's okay with me and it feels good, I'll just do that way. And Paul says, no, hey, that way's not okay either. Neither the law and rule keeping, nor just doing the things that your heart feels like. The works of the flesh. You see, some people might say, okay, if it's not by, if, if this doing the Christian life thing isn't about keeping rules, there might be an overreaction and the pendulum swings the other way and say, oh, maybe it is then, therefore, just doing whatever I like. And I tell you, there are many Christians that do that. There are many churches that say, hey, because Christ has died, because we're now under grace, you can live however you want. There are many people that would say that, say, yep, you're justified by Jesus, now do whatever you want. That is not the Christian life. That is not what Paul has called us to. It's not what the Bible calls us to. It's not what Jesus has called us to. So, chapter 5, verse 17 Paul says this, as we just read, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Hey, these things are opposed to each other. They're not in agreement and in accord. (laughs) Verses 19 to 21, the acts of the flesh are obvious. And we read them, didn't we? Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness and orgies. And the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those are strong words. 
And I just want to warn you this morning that if there's areas of your life that, that ring true like that, wake up, O oh sleeper. Wake up. God has called us to live in a certain way. Neither the law nor the flesh. Why? Because neither way produces fruit in us that is pleasing to God. And so there's a different way. There's a different way. You see, both of those ways are dead. So, what is this different way? Paul, what's this alternative way that we're to live? If it's not the law and it's not the flesh, what's this alternative way? Well, it's to become a follower of Jesus Christ. It's to learn to follow him. And as we follow him, Paul says, as we learn to follow Jesus, then our life begins to produce fruit that looks in keeping with those who follow Jesus. And as we follow him, we learn that we're to walk in step with the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. That's what Paul says it looks like. It's about pursuing Jesus Christ. That's what the, that's what the church should be full of. It's not people who are rule keepers and, and, and romantics at heart. It should be full of people who love Jesus and who pursue him. Do you know something that's incredible, though? As we, as we follow Jesus, God goes to work on our hearts. God goes to work on our hearts. This is what's incredible about following Jesus and being fueled and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, that as I follow Jesus, suddenly my, the desires in my life begin to change. And I say, well, it's, sure, this faith isn't about keeping the rules, but I want to honor and obey God with all my might, all my strength, and all my power. And suddenly I find my heart being changed and I say, I want to, I want to live in a way that's pleasing to God. And suddenly the, the loves and longing and desires of my heart that, that so many Christians stifle down and go, oh, I've got desires in my life, but they don't seem to be biblical and they don't seem to honor God. No, we are creatures that are made with desires. Desires are not bad things in and of themselves. What you do with those desires is another issue. And we're going to go through that over these coming weeks. But, but we are made to desire something. And, and Christian formation, this, this work of Christ um, on the cross that has resulted in my transformation, what happens is as a Christian, now my desires are to be changed. It's not just learn some new things about God that makes me a Christian. It's not learn what color the Bible is that makes me a follower of Jesus. It's the fact that my heart is being transformed from the inside out. And now I desire the things of God. When you're in Christ, what God wants of you and what you want of yourself begin to become the same thing. So Paul says it's not the law and it's not just following your heart that the Christian should live their life in that way. It's not those things, but it is a way of following Jesus that results in bearing fruit. And so, as we've just seen in Ephesians 5, he uses two picture images for us to help us understand what this looks like. And the first is that picture of bearing fruit. And we're going to go into that in the coming weeks. We're going to go and say, hey, what does Christian character and formation look like? What is this fruit that God has called us to produce in our life? But I just want to make that point again that I was making at the beginning, that fruit grows very slowly. It doesn't just appear. 
Neither when you become a Christian do suddenly you have all the characteristics of what the fruit of the Spirit look like. They grow and develop over time. But the second picture that Paul gives in Ephesians is this, about one of walking and keeping in step with his Spirit. What do I mean by that? Very simply, it's learning to say, hey, Holy Spirit, where are you going? How fast are you walking? And it's learning to track the Holy Spirit. It's learning to be led by the Spirit. It's learning to say, where are you going? What are you doing? Oh, he's stopping for a moment. He wants to bless this person. Hey, I'm going to bless that person because the Holy Spirit seems to want to bless this person. I'm at the hairdressers or, or in the shop and, and the checkout assistant just seems distraught with something. You just see it written all over them and they're holding themselves together. And the Holy Spirit seems to want to speak peace to that person. Hey, can I just say God loves you and he's for you? Hey, learning to follow the Holy Spirit. Building a relationship with him. And just so simply walking by the Holy Spirit is as simple as saying, Hey, Holy Spirit, lead me today. Would you lead me? Would you lead me into the things of Christ today? It's a bit like a marriage. If I want to build a strong marriage, then the onus is upon me to understand Emma, to understand her desires and wants and and preferences in life. And then not to say, hey, I don't know, she normally sits there. Hey, Em, you're wrong. Those things are bad. You need to change. But it's learning to serve her preferences, wants and desires. And say, hey, you're, you're like that. I'm going to move to come and serve you. I'm going to move to bless you. That you kind of go, hey, this marriage is great because the things that I love in life, well, my husband is the one helping me be fulfilled in those things. That's what building a good marriage looks like. It means I have to adjust myself to Emma. And that's changed over 17 years. We've learned, we've learned about each other. Our preferences have changed. The way we think, the things we value has changed. And over time, we have to keep readjusting the way we're thinking to build a healthy marriage. But that's exactly the same as with the Holy Spirit too. It's, it's exactly the same. Hey, Holy Spirit, what are the things you value? What are the things that are precious to you? Okay, I'm going to adjust that area of my life by your help so that I become more like Christ. So that I stay in step with you. Ah, this, this area of life that I've always been battling with as a sin temptation, I... I I know I, I end up walking towards it, but, but I know that at some point back, as I've walked towards that area of sin, the Holy Spirit stopped and said, no, that's, that's not the way I walk. I don't go over there. And he calls me back. And I don't know about you, but I know at times that small, still voice of the Holy Spirit said, no, come on, over here, follow me. Follow me. We're to be those who follow the Holy Spirit. And as we walk with the Spirit and are led by the Spirit, we find that we become more and more like Christ. And so the fruit of the Spirit is not a case of going, today I'm going to be a more loving, more patient, more peace-filled person with more joy and more self-control. Hey, the law person, they're really good at certain aspects of fruit of the Spirit, self-control. They've got that one nailed down. And the person that follows the Spirit, hey, joy. They, they've got that one nailed down. But the thing with the fruit of the Spirit is we're going to see is that God calls us to grow in all of them at the same time. It's really important that we understand that and that as we follow Jesus and as we walk in step with the spirit learning the dance of the spirit if you like do you know what happens the fruit begins to grow automatically it begins to grow automatically 
You have a responsibility, by the way, which is keep in step with the Spirit. But as you keep in step with the Spirit, fruit comes. And so if, you, if this morning you're sat here saying, do you know what, my, my place with Christ, where I am in my walk with Him, has not changed in the last five years. I just want to ask you, are you walking with the Spirit this morning? Are you walking with the Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit filling you and enabling you? And are you saying, hey, Holy Spirit, lead me today? So very quickly, three things I've just mentioned that help us walk in step with the Spirit. And the first one is this, read your Bibles. The Holy Spirit inspired the Bible. And as we read stories of Jesus and the early church and and through the Old Testament, we see what God is like. We see what Jesus is like. And then we kind of say, hey, maybe if I do the things that Jesus is doing, that's probably quite a good place to start. If I start loving people in the way that Jesus loved people, I'm sure the Holy Spirit's not going to turn around to me and say, oh, you're not keeping in step with me today. A little less like Jesus, please, today. No, maybe if I read the scriptures and I, and I engage with who is Jesus more, then I find myself understanding, oh, this is what it looks like when the people of God walk with the Spirit. One of the great ways we get to walk with the Spirit is by maintaining this community, by not giving up on the local church, by sticking together one with another. And there might be areas of life, therefore, where you say, I just really struggle to get to grips with prayer. I find it really hard to pray just, I find it boring. I find like I'm talking to the ceiling and I, never, I haven't learned how to hear God. Hey, the great thing about this kind of community is you can go to somebody who's, who's got more fruit in their life. You can look around and say, hey, do you know somebody in the church who, who just has a prayer life that's on fire and they love to pray? And you can go up to them and say, hey, would you teach me? Can I walk with you for a bit that, that you'll teach me what a prayer life looks like that sets me on fire and that I love? Or maybe parenting. Maybe parenting is just one of those moments for you Right now, and you're going, ah, ah, somebody get me a shovel. And, no, better not say that. Um, and, but there'll be parents who are here who are older and have done it and have learned from the Spirit, and you can go and find them. And we'd love to point them to you and say, hey, learn from these. Learn wisdom and learn what it looks like to parent empowered by the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you're somebody who always gets angry. And you hear a story about somebody who also used to get angry, but God's gone to work and produced fruit of peace in their life. Hey, go and find them and say, can you help me track that journey too? That's the privilege of this community that we have. And finally, just to say this, we are to be those that walk with the Spirit by practicing the presence of God in our daily lives. That sounds like a nice Christianese thing to say, but it really just means this, that each and every day I'm inviting God to come and lead me. I'm taking hold of moments just saying, Lord, would you, would you be with me through your spirit? Help me to love like you love. Help me to see like you see. Help me to speak like you speak. It's simply saying, practicing the presence of God is simply saying, Lord, I want to hear you today. I want to give you space that I hear your voice. And so I'm going to finish here. Over this summer, my prayer for us is that we are a church that indeed begins to grow in Christian maturity, in Christian formation. This is not saying now gateway work harder. This is saying we need to learn the dance of the Spirit. We need to learn that this empowering Spirit that has been given as a gift, poured out upon the church that gives gifts and helps us understand and know the things of God in our life, He also loves to come and shape us 
and make us more like Jesus. The Bible uses the word sanctify. He loves to take us and turn us Christ-like bit by bit by bit. And so I, I believe this is an invitation this summer to say, come on, time for us to start running with the Spirit. Time for us to start growing in Christian maturity and fruitfulness. Time to start growing our characters to become more like Christ Jesus. In Romans, Paul said this, The Spirit dispenses God's love into our hearts. Can I invite you to stand? The Spirit dispenses God's love into our hearts. I pray for you, church, this morning that you might know the breadth and the height, the depth and the width of God's love towards you. That he loved you so much that, that he who knew no sin became sin for you and for I, that we might become the righteousness of God. And this morning, the Holy Spirit doesn't say to you, do better, do better, do better, or do whatever you want, do whatever you want, do whatever you want. He invites you to come and walk in step with him. He bids you, come and follow me, and I'll show you the way of the cross. I'll show you the way of Christ. I'll produce in you fruit as you keep in step with me. And I pray this morning, church, that we might grow in Christ-likeness, that we might grow in fruitfulness and might grow fruit of the Spirit in our life in these days. Father, we thank you that you have given us your Spirit. We thank you that, Lord, you are after relationship with us. And so we just pray, Lord, would you go to work on us in these days. Help us to love as you've loved us. Help us to be those who walk closely with you. Help us to learn these things. Lord, thank you. They're not, they're not impossible things. They are spirit-empowered privileges that we have as your children. And so church, I just want to pray for you that right now you would receive the spirit of God afresh. I pray that you might know the hope that you've been called to. I pray for those of you who love to keep rules and, and every now and again just show God all the, the ticks that you've got in your boxes and say, God, aren't I doing so well? And just pray for you that you might know afresh the grace of God. That means you don't have to do anything to be pleasing with God. He loves you because he's chosen to love you. And for those of you who, who love to just do whatever, I pray that again you might encounter the grace of God this morning, the grace that teaches you to say yes to godliness and no to unrighteousness. We pray, Holy Spirit, that we will be a community, your church that keeps in step with you in increasing measure in these days. And I just want to pray for those of you who are far from God. Maybe you've never placed your faith in Jesus, or maybe, maybe, you've, maybe for whatever reason, whatever reason, you're not walking with Jesus any longer, but you're here this morning. I want to pray with you. Would you walk in step with the Spirit from this day on? Would you place your faith in Jesus that justifies you before a living and holy God and from this day on walk with Jesus by His Spirit? God has got good things for you in store. And I just want to invite you. You're so welcome to come and start this adventure. You're so welcome to come and be a follower of Jesus Christ, living out this Christian hope that we have that God is for you and He is with you in power. So I bless you in the name of Jesus.
Amen.